Hey, everybody, it's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I have a super quick announcement to share with you. In May, my College to Career Academy will hold a series of live weekend boot camps to help graduating seniors as well as juniors who are confused about what jobs and careers they might want to pursue when they graduate. So imagine going from confused to confident with at least three different career options you'd be psyched to explore by the end of day one of the boot camp, and then learning the tools, tactics, and the strategies to find those jobs by the end of day two. The boot camp is live, and it's led by me over Zoom, and you can learn more about it at College to Career Academy. That's college, the number two, career dot academy. Or you can just look me up on LinkedIn and check out the featured section of my LinkedIn page. I can't imagine a better graduation gift for the college students in your life. Thanks so much for listening, and I know you're going to enjoy my next incredible guest. Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in learning more about what food styling is and what's actually involved in doing it, well, this is the episode for you because my next guest has styled the savory and the sweet for top newspapers and magazines, as well as for a bunch of large companies. But before I introduce you to Lisa Cherkowski, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that comes out bright and early on Mondays. And it's got unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org. And the sign up box is right there. And please make sure to check out my weekly live streaming show on LinkedIn, where I share coronavirus relevant career advice, interview guests live, take your questions and feature your comments. Just click on the link in show notes to follow me on LinkedIn so you'll get an alert when the show is live and you can tune in. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Lisa Cherkowski, a chef and food stylist with decades of experience cooking in great restaurants and styling for great publications. Earlier in her career, Lisa worked as a chef with iconic chefs like Nora Poulon at Restaurant Nora in Washington, D.C., as well as Jean-Pierre Goyenval, I believe, at Le Lion d'Or, where she was the first woman ever hired to work the line. She's done stints as a poissonnier, a pastry chef, sous chef, catering chef, grilladine, chef de garde-manger, and yes, oh my goodness, she even worked. As a dishwasher, thankfully, that was a very short stint. 
Lisa's experience as a food stylist has allowed her to move back and forth between the editorial and the corporate worlds. She's worked with the Washington Post newspaper and with tons of magazines, including the Washingtonian, Smithsonian, Vegetarian Times, Eating Well, and National Geographic. She's also worked with big companies like the Marriott Corporation, McCormick Spice, the California Almond Board, and Purdue. And if you want to learn more about how to break into the world of food styling, please check out show notes for this episode to see if Lisa's Espresso Shots episode has already dropped. And Lisa has also written two cookbooks that you're going to want to check out. One, The Artful Pie, P-I-E, that was a best-selling cookbook, and You're the Chef which was for the American Girl dolls. It came out in 2016. Fantastic gift. Think about it. Even though this isn't going to come out at Christmas, it could be a birthday gift. It could be a Mother's Day gift. You know, think about it. Lisa, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am very much so. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I have to ask you, Have you ever styled coffee before? All last week. We did all last week, which was actually, it was amazing. It's for the U.S. Cheese Guild, the U.S. Dairy Export on People. And it's they're creating an app that pairs cheeses with beverages. And last week we did all coffees and then cheeses paired with a maybe a knot or whatever. They were all flavor pairings and then with particular coffees. So we did cappuccinos and Americano and mocha and so on. They were really beautiful. I had an assistant with me. My, well, I had a, my, the person who assists with me and she was an excellent person. And it was a lot of fun. They were beautiful, the coffees. And yeah. how did they taste? They were delicious. She made us coffee all week. It was a very lovely special occasion. It was great. Yeah, I've sold the coffee a lot, but that was the nice. Those are the nicest I've ever done. And there were a lot of them. Awesome. Well, yeah. I want to apologize. My dog just barked. I realized I forgot to put her. Hey, hey, Arwen, cut it out. Don't your dog bark because then my dog will bark. <laughs> I know. Well, fortunately, your dog can't hear my dog <laughs> because right oh is your dog second. right there okay oh. well let's hope let's hope that arwen will stop barking i forgot to put her in the laundry room before i did this interview so apologies everybody lisa before we dig into what you do as a food stylist i thought it would be a good idea for our listeners to just get kind of a a quick primer on what food styling is, what's involved, and how you define it. Well, I define it as creating food for a photo, creating food for pictures, for the camera. And the food stylist's responsibility is everything about the food until the shot is done. So it can involve, well, it involves planning and meetings and that kind of thing. It often involves grocery shopping, carrying all the stuff to the studio. It often involves cooking or, you know, working with products and then preparing the food for the camera and then working on the set. So crawling into a pretty small space and working with the food in front of the camera without, you know, just bumping anything and being very clean and precise and, and artful simultaneously. So it's science and art together. Cool. And, schlep- and, schlep- and I carry a lot of tools. You know, I carry a kits. With lots- I used to carry a lot more than I carry now, but I carry kits, lots and lots of tools. Because you have to be ready for anything because things come up that you can never predict. Such as? 
they're sending product, you think it's going to be perfect, you get there, they're pies, and they're all pretty much smashed, and the top is this lattice that's been punched out by a machine, and you have to try to recreate that somehow with an exacto knife and a template. I, I, that happened to me. It was a long time ago, but for example, that's just what comes to mind right off the top of my head, but it's almost always something like that. The thing you think is going to be a problem often isn't. And the thing you think is going to look just great doesn't. You can't find parsley that has any little leaves. They're all enormous. That flat leaf parsley's gotten so huge. Or they want tiny, they want lemons with thin skin. And you can't find that. There's all kinds of stuff like that, like real super specific things. Or you, the product is real tiny and the lemon you have is too big. So you can't, you get scale issues. There's always scale issues. Oh all my kinds God. Of Why is styling needed? And is it? I, I'm asking you this. This is actually a question that Lisa recommended I ask her. So I am curious to hear the answer. That's a good question. Okay, so that, dep- that depends on what the job is. And so that depends. All- so then that comes into priorities as a stylist, too. So, okay, my favorite jobs are jobs that encourage people to cook because I'm a cook. Well, because I think cooking is a good thing and they encourage people to eat, if not cook, but to eat and be interested in food. So books and magazines and the news- and newspapers and things that involve cooking would, would be the first line for that. Where that. So those are my favorite things. And in that case, it's not needed necessarily, but it certainly encourages people to cook which I know it's not saving the world, but it it doesn't hurt. And sharing food can help to save the world. Because if you're sharing food, you're bridging gaps, you're creating community, and that does really definitely enhance everyday life and it can enhance things worldwide. So there's that. So there's cooking. That's one of the ways. I also, a lot of my jobs are literally to sell things. They're products. You're selling something. And I'm grateful for the work and it's an interesting problem. It's a different problem and marketing was never my focus, but it it has become a good sized part of my work and I appreciate it. It's different. It's different. And so then I have a different, my thought process is very different. So it's about cooking. It's about selling things. It's about education. That's what I can mostly think of because those are those would be the two two things. And then sometimes it's about information. You know, like we have this thing, and we need you to know what it looks like. I do stuff for USDA. I do stuff for the FDA. So then it's educational about eating healthfully or feeding your babies or what you how to eat when you're pregnant. And there's all that stuff too, which is educational about how to eat. And I'm yeah. thinking. If the pictures don't look appealing, if they don't look enticing, then people aren't going to want to make those dishes or follow those guidelines. And you're always trying to draw the line. It's like, well, how, quote unquote, fake should this be? Well, if it doesn't look better, then, you know, you've seen, we've all seen a million iPhone snapshots of food where you really don't want to make or eat that food. So if it doesn't make the person want to make or eat it, you haven't done your job. You don't want to overpromise, but you do have to make it enticing you do, and you have to figure out where that line is. Yeah. Between complete honesty. Of course, lighting helps a lot. I mean, lighting and props up. I mean, lighting, professional lighting on food. I can't shoot pictures of food because I can't, I don't know how to do the lighting. Yeah. And that's everything. It's everything. I can tell you firsthand because I do love to cook. Yeah. There have been so many times when I'm there with the cookbook or with the magazine and I'm copying the the recipe and my final product does not look like the picture. It doesn't, but you get to eat it. You get to smell it and eat it. So that makes up the picture. All you have is your eyes. So you really have to, you really have to work with that. And so there is the advantage of being able to, to taste it and eat it, which is of course huge. Yeah. Huge. And you don't look at it that long either. You look at it, then you eat it. It's not immortalized in a book or on the web or whatever. No. So 
Yeah, those are all questions that I think about a lot and deal with at every single job, like how to approach it and what's appropriate and so on. Lisa, what are the different kinds of food styling? I mentioned in the introduction that you have worked seamlessly between the editorial and the corporate worlds, but what does that mean and what does it look like? Well, the editorial, it's books, magazines, etc., advertising, you know, those those inserts that you get in the newspaper, all that stuff. And one is the editorial is a lot looser. It can be messier. It can look, it's looser. It's more, it's more, I don't know if artistic is quite the right word. It's different kind of problem solving. And the other way, it has to be, it has to be very informational and it has to be, you have a lots of, you have a lot of parameters and you have a lot of people because you've got the product manager the marketing person, maybe several marketing people and so on. And they all have agendas. And often it has to also fit into a template that involves a lot of information if it's a package. So then it's very, very, very specific and super technical. And there's and lots and lots and lots of talking. And it's it's a lot more tedious. It's it's a, it's difficult in different in a different way. But it's 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 very difficult. Because it's there forever. That's the other thing is those kinds of things. Packaging is exists for a long time, you know, so and there's a lot more money changing hands. So that figures in. So it's more lucrative to do the corporate. Yes. Yes. Not always, but often. Yes. It's more lucrative. And video, I understand, is even more lucrative. I don't do much of it because it's just not my thing. I never got into it. And I like still, I like having a thing that's done at the end that I can hold or see. And so I've just never been that interested in video. A lot of people love it. What would you say are the biggest similarities and differences between styling food and let's say styling people or even inanimate objects like furniture or household goods? Food is dying. The whole time you're doing it, it's dying. It's decomposing. So it's highly perishable. And just being exposed to air, it's constantly, it's changing. Even if it doesn't look like it's changing, it's getting shorter. Gravity is working on, I mean, gravity works on everything, but it is changing and it's changing often really quickly. If you put down a drizzle, like say we do a drip or a drizzle. Okay. When I'm doing a drip or a drizzle, photographer might shoot it several times because you might like it when it first goes down and it's standing up the most, even olive oil. Or you might like it when it's settled in a little bit more, or you might like it when it's completely puddled, but it's really perishable. And so when you work with people, so you want to move as quickly as possible from beginning to end. But you can't skip any steps. So you're trying to always trying to figure any essential steps. So you're trying to figure out which steps you can skip. You're trying to figure out what is not necessary to move you to the final photo as efficiently as possible. But you cannot rush anybody else. You can't rush the photographer and so on. But you need to be quick and clean. You don't want to backtrack. That reminds me of a quote that I read about you on LinkedIn on your profile. Mm -hmm. And this was written by somebody who you work with. And that person said, some creatives are artists and some are simply magicians. The best ones anyway. Lisa is a magician. Wow. I hadn't seen that. Thank you. I'm so glad we're speaking this morning. (laughs) Thank you. Do you have to make things disappear or is there a certain element of performing illusions? Well, there is illusion. I've been doing this a very, very long time and there's no replacing that. So I have the advantage of lots and lots and lots of experience, which you just can't get around. I'm very grateful for that. And so lots of times someone will say, okay, so it's linear. You built like you build a shop and I understand how all that works. So you're not going back like this. You have the surface and you pick the props. 
Then you look at some of the food and you discuss all along the way. You build, 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 build until the final moment when everything is just as you want it to be all at the same time. And you want to do that step by step by step by step. And working with people that are experienced, everyone understands what those steps are. So you're not, you don't get to a point and the person says, oh, by the way, we want X. And that's four steps back because it's food. And you maybe only have so much of it. You, you might have a ton of it, but you may not. And you also might really like what you've got there. And to replace it, you might never get that again or you won't get that again. So sometimes someone will say, I like it when someone tells me what they want it to look like. And then they let me figure out how to get there. Like they say, we want this. I mean, super basic, very moist. We want this to look tender and crumbly, or I wish that was a little bit more soft or fluid. I wish it flowed better. And then I like to just step in and figure out how to do it because I can do it instinctively or intuitively. And so, and I'm fast, but I've also been doing it a long time. So I may seem like a magician because I'm very quick. And often I can foresee, like I can look at it and go over the set to do something. And the client who's now on Zoom will say, could we do X, X and I will be doing it. I will have already done it or because I've been looking at food for so long with so many people that you kind of start to read minds just like anybody does at any job after you do it for a very long time. So, yeah, and I really do try to use my intuition. I try to use my instinct because that feels really good and it's almost always right. You know, it just and things look right when you go when you have good flow. It just makes everything better. When, and that's true for any anything. So speaking of flow, mm-hmm. can you take us into the process of getting ready to do a shoot and then what's involved in the shoot? And it just so happens that you're in the middle of a shoot today. Right. So whether you want to use today or another example, but just so that we're aware of all the moving pieces in this process of mm-hmm. getting that final image or images. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how it worked last week because that was not, not corporate or it, it was editorial, but it was for, a pro, it's for, a, it's for an association. So they're not selling a specific thing, but it's also not a recipe. It's about getting people to basically eat more cheese, buy more cheese, but they needed to be beautiful. So first you get a document from the client, then they get the parameters of what it is they're going for. And you read through there, you do estimates, you put bids, you try to get the job. You have to get the job first. So you might get a call from the client or the photographer or whomever, and you talk it over how long it's going to take, how many shots you think you can do in a day, and so on. What it's going to cost, what the groceries are going to cost. You have to be able to figure that out in advance and understand what you're going to need to do. Will we need dry ice? You know, will we need a special, will we need a deep fat fire? Will we need to rent a refrigerator and so on? That all, that kind of stuff, depending on how involved the job is. And then so you do all that planning. There's, can be, there can be not much planning or there can be a lot of planning. Then you figure out who's bringing what. Sometimes the client's bringing food, you're bringing food. Sometimes you're doing all the shopping. There's meetings on the phone or, you know, now there's Zoom, which is nice. Everyone gathers what they need to do. The photographer probably does tasks. They need backgrounds. We talk about the look, the colors, the whole thing. Should it be slick? Should it be warm? Should it be friendly? A lot of times there's a mood board. So you get a document with all that in it, which is super helpful. Um, I mean, they vary from job to job. These are some of the things that can happen. And then the day of, you know, you're there, you need to, I might shop ahead for non-perishables. I might shop online for things that are difficult to get. Just before you shop for the perishables, I grow a lot of stuff. Not, I mean, I grow a lot of herbs, not other things. So then, you know, you have lists and lists and lists, and then you have to get it all packed and you have to get there on time and get it all unpacked. 
and all stowed and all wrapped and damp, you know, then you start the job and then you talk again and you have a shot list and you figured out the priority. Sometimes there's too many shots. So you, you think there's going to be too many. So you, someone decides, the client decides which one is the least essential and it goes at the bottom in case you can't get to it because it's hard to know with timing. But then you work within that time. You know, we have nine hours and we have to do this work and you have to do it. Working with that timing is really important. And then cooking starts or opening lots and lots of product and looking at it. Sometimes we're doing a lot of, you know, we've all read the thing about looking for the perfect cornflake. I don't do a lot of that kind of thing, but I do, I do, you know, I do a lot of stuff. We're opening a lot of packaging, pulling things apart, looking at different pieces. Um, Say it's a pasta dish or something that comes in a package. You pull them all apart. You might wash it all off, put it back together, might cook a whole bunch of them, or you might be cooking stuff. Like you might be making macaroni and cheese and soup. Today I'm doing cooking and some of the food was brought to me partially cooked and then I finish it. And you have to figure it out job by job. Every job is different and you have to figure out what's the best approach for that client and that food. Is there an especially challenging or even impossible food to style? Pizza's really hard and ice cream's really hard, as you can imagine. You can imagine ice cream's really, really difficult. It's just really difficult. I do ice cream. I'm no, not an ice cream specialist. I know there are people that are, and they keep freezers at several temperatures, you know, so you have it at, yeah, so it's at a temperature where it's scoopable and then at a temperature where you put pre-scoop things and you can use dry ice, but if you do use dry ice, it gets this icy surface, so then you have to blow on it with a straw and that reforms is all these the hardest thing i've ever done was ice cream cakes with a bunch of layers and whipped cream on top they were really difficult for um it's like carvel we did a lot of them they turned out well it was very very difficult it was hard i mean i was exhausted but it, it worked we used dry ice we worked inside a box we had dry ice over the set that we walked in we used all these things pizza is also really hard cheese is hard warm cheese because it gets old fast so you are in the middle of a shoot Right. During COVID, we're doing this interview in early December 2020. How has COVID changed what you do? I haven't seen any of my clients in person since March. We're doing it all via Zoom. And so they can't see what I'm doing. Got, we've gotten a lot better. They can't see what I'm doing. So sometimes they're asking me to do something and I'm already doing it because I'm in the other room. And it's now people have gotten better at sharing screens and all that stuff. And in some ways it's okay. It's okay. But it's a lot, it's a lot slower because everyone can't see what's happening while it's happening. They have to wait until it appears on the, on the monitor. They can't see that you're working towards that or what you've got. They can't see, you can't say, oh, I've got eight loaves of bread here. Which one do you like? You have to put it on the set and they take a picture or you hold your phone over it or I text photos. What do you think of this? Is this brown enough? So there's all these added steps. Got it. But okay. People are so flexible and so nice. Everyone's just been great. So have you found that? The coronavirus has not slowed down business. It's just added a new technical layer to it. I'm super busy. I, at the beginning, I was really worried because they just closed us down. I didn't work for the first two weeks. And I really thought I might not work for, you know, a long time, just like everyone else. I have been, thankfully, very busy because my clients continue. They're, they're making, they're producing food and people are still buying food. So it's not essential, but it's definitely happening. For our young listeners, Lisa, who may want to get into food styling, what do you think is the best way for them to get started? Do they need to have a portfolio? You need to be interested in food. 
you can use your Instagram feed to show that you're interested in food and to show that you have an eye and you like art. So Instagram is a really good tool. You can take classes. You can take classes online. You can read about it. You can try stuff at home. You can try stuff with lighting. You can take photography classes, which would be really useful. All that, anything like that. Practice, try stuff out, read. There's tons of online resources and try it at home. Make stuff. Take pictures of it. Prop it. All that. Lots of bloggers are doing it. They're so successful at it. You see beautiful images on Instagram that are not professional food stylists. Lots and lots. What tips can you offer amateur photographers who like to style food? Or excuse me, who like to shoot food? Lots of moisture. Water is really important. Water and oil are really important. Keep it moist. Work as quickly as possible. Keep it fresh. Work clean. Work clean. You have to work really clean. You have to wash your hands constantly. Keep your props clean and so on. And keep your refrigerator nearby. Use your eyes. Let's flash back really quickly to when you were in college. Your bio says you started off at the University of Wisconsin, Madison, majoring in art, design, French, and socializing. So like pretty much every college student. But that was before you discovered that you could actually attend a school that was devoted entirely to cooking. And so you transferred to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York, where you became one of the only women in your class. Quick question. Did you know what you were going to do with your degree when you graduated? I finished at the CIA in, uh, when I was 21 or 22, and I never heard of styling until I was maybe 28 or 29. I knew that I saw a card for this woman, Susan Forsman, who's no longer with us, unfortunately, and she was the D.C. area stylist. And I saw her card when I was in my late 20s, and that's the, I'd never heard of it. I didn't know it existed. So what was your first job and how did you get it? Your first job after you graduated? Oh, after graduation, I was in D.C. I was out of money and I got a job at Restaurant Noir, but I don't remember how. It was maybe in the classifieds. I don't remember because that's what I used to do is look in the classifieds. And then I worked at Le Pavillon and I worked there because I had friends from cooking school who worked there and I was in touch with them and they suggested I walk or come down. And I did. And I got a job there. So that was word of mouth. When I walked into Leon Door, they said, we don't hire ladies. And then I don't know why, but I went back the next day. I know. Can you imagine someone saying that now? I went back the next day and guess what? The next day they were hiring ladies. So the, the next day, I guess they got wind of, you can't say that. I don't know. It's a long time ago. And the next day I got a job by walking in and asking. But classifieds, people used to use the classifieds, word of mouth, you know, the newspaper. Word of mouth, my friends, is another way of saying using your network. Developing a network, your alumni. That was what Lisa did. That's a fantastic example. Two final questions for you, Lisa. Okay. And I try to ask all time for coffee guests these questions. Could you share a time in your professional life when you struggled? Maybe you even failed or got fired as I did a couple of times in my 40s. But most importantly, I'm interested in hearing how you persevered and if there was a lesson that you may have learned in the process. I was on staff at Time Life Books. I went from restaurant work to that and I was working on a cookbook series and I loved, loved, loved that job. I was so happy. It was the best job I'd ever had. I was just overjoyed. I love the people I work with. And I started in June as a, you know, independent contractor. 
I was hired in September, finally. In December, they asked us all into a conference room like a week before Christmas and we all got fired. They closed the series and everyone was devastated. I was devastated. I really wanted to use my experience because I've been creating recipes and as a stylist and I didn't want to go to, back to restaurant work because I wanted to use my new skills. So I looked and looked and looked. I looked around the country. I interviewed in other cities. I couldn't find anything because they just, I wasn't, a, didn't come from home ec. I just, yeah. And I ended up, I was still in DC. I was able to collect unemployment, which was great. And I decided I would freelance because I didn't know what else to do. And I had a photographer, Renee Comet, with whom I still work. We were laid off together and I had the good contacts from Time Life Books. Like somebody became the editor at Eating Well. So I was able to work with, I stayed in touch. And so I built a freelance career, but it was slow. And I was also had a sewing company at the same time. I was sewing wild Lycra pants. I sewed 10,000 pairs of those things and sold them over like 10 years time. So I did that too. I was just doing whatever. I worked a little bit in front of the house at this restaurant called Obelisk that a friend of mine owns. I did some catering. I just did whatever I could think of. My expenses were low. It was just me and I had an apartment and that was it. And I just did whatever I could think of and I promoted myself. I just kept working at it. I just kept working at it. I built my portfolio. I, went, I made a lot of cold calls. I just kept working at it. Hey, high five, double high five, my friend. This is what it takes. You have to have grit. Thank you so much for sharing that, Lisa. Oh, well, my pleasure. It was, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I never heard, no one's ever told me I had grit, but I really appreciate that. Oh my God. You are, you exemplify grit. And that is, it's like you got, you had the side hustle to the side hustle. You're just doing whatever it took. I mean, you can build, you know, you build it just by doing it. You do the thing. You're like, okay, I did that. Okay, now I can do this. I really don't want to, but okay. And then when you do it, you're like, okay, well, that's behind me now. Now I can do the next thing. And once it's behind you, it's not so bad. I mean, you know, it's done. So it makes a difference. Final question. If you could go back to the CIA, to the Culinary Institute of America and do it all over again, but based on on the immense wisdom you have now. What advice would you give yourself, Lisa? I would learn a lot more and I would join a lot more clubs. I would learn everything. I would be more serious about it. I would be more confident, not intimidated. I would never think anybody else was smarter than me or got it better than I did. I wouldn't compare myself. I wouldn't compare myself to anybody else. I would think I'm here. I'm paying for this. I'm going to get everything I can get out of this. I would take advantage of every opportunity and I would not think about what anybody else was doing. At this point, that's not what I did then. But yes, don't compare yourself and don't think anybody else is doing better than you are. Just get everything you can out of it. Lisa's books are The Artful Pie. That was a best-selling cookbook. And You're the Chef. This was a cookbook that Lisa did around the American Girl doll collection. So wonderful gifts for the people in your life who love to cook. And if you want to learn how to break into food styling, check out the show notes for this episode to see if Lisa's Espresso Shots episode has already dropped. Lisa, I want to let you get back to your I shoot. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you got to get back to work. I want to thank you so, so much for making time for coffee today, even though my coffee was not professionally styled at all <laughs> with me and the T4C community. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. For, thank you for inviting me. I had a great time. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you 
always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.